The guard disappeared behind one of the trailers. He'd been anxious for her to go, of course, once she'd refused to ride with him. She'd been the last one near the trailers, the only one left who had been working on the on-location day-plus shoot for O'Leary's, a tale about crime and prostitution in the 1800s in New York City. One of the pubs in the area had had the right interior, and the buildings, except for the gap where the old Darby building had so recently stood, were perfect. The gutted area and the work tents set up on the old site were shielded by a blue screen for the movie making. Even so, the area around the demolished building was surrounded by cheap wire fencing that any schoolboy could scale, and closed by a gate with a two-bit combination lock. It looked like a war zone in a third-world country. She was beyond it, though, and she hurried. The gaping hole in the landscape seemed alive, mocking her for her fear of darkness and shadows. Now she cursed Bobby Walden. Megastar jerk. So maybe she had been too easy, too wide-eyed and too hopeful. But he'd really been into her during the shoot. He'd whispered such cool stuff to her between takes that day. She was ready. She knew how to get her name in the paper and how to move ahead. In film, in the real world, perception was everything. She wasn't a fool. She didn't expect a happy ever after with Bobby Walden just a date, or a night in his hotel room, a place she could slip out of while being sure that she was spotted by the media. People would start talking about her. Hey, Sammy! She called, walking back toward the site. But Sammy was gone, probably down in the useless tour Whitehall subway station already. She thought she saw a man standing by the trailers. He must have been an actor, he seemed to be wearing a stovepipe hat and a long, black, all-encompassing coat. Whoever it was would be in big trouble with the costume department. The moon shifted. There was no man standing there. She was making herself nervous. It was simply because she'd never imagined that anywhere in New York could become so devoid of people. She turned and retraced her steps. If she reached Broadway and started running, she was almost at the corner when she heard the noise again. Click. Click, drag. Was it coming from behind her or before her? She turned the corner and screamed. There was a man standing there. He looked dazed. He was in dirty jeans, a dirtier denim jacket. He hadn't shaved in days, and his hair was tangled and greasy. Hey, lady, you got a dollar? He took a step toward her with his hand outstretched. No, she cried. Get away. Lady, I'm just a vet. You're an alcoholic or a junkie and you're disgusting. Take a bath, she said. She didn't even want to touch him to shove him in the chest, but she did so. She was desperate to get past him. She hurried on for a block, turned around. The ratty old homeless man was gone. She leaned against a railing where she had stopped, panting, to stare back hard. She wanted to make sure he was gone. She needed to get a hold of her fear. As soon as she got farther up Broadway, she'd start to see people. It was amazing. Wall Street was mobbed during the day, and tourists thronged Trinity and St. Paul's, but now the streets were dead. Yes, the derelict was gone, too. She turned to hurry up Broadway. Her turn brought her directly into his arms. Before she could open her mouth, his hand clamped over it, and he twisted her viciously around until she was flat against his body. She tried to scream, but the sound was muffled by the gloved hand. She strained to see, to kick, to fight. 
She barely even felt the knife across her throat. One great thing about New York City? Tourists. And residents who behaved like tourists every time he came to the scene of a murder. Jude Crosby flashed his badge to the officers on duty and ducked beneath the yellow crime scene tape that was stretched across Lower Broadway. The murder site had acquired more onlookers than a movie premiere. Traffic downtown had grown to a snarl that was just about impassable, even with the extra traffic cops manning the detour, and the sound of cursing drivers threatened to drown out the sound of their horns. Fortunately, it was only just dawn, Most finance workers weren't even on their way in yet. He made his way to the circle of men around the body. He was glad to see that the medical examiner who had been on call was Wally Fulbright, a man in his late fifties with ruffled white hair and big-rimmed glasses. He was, in Jude's mind, the